Hello and welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout. This week it's episode 91 and as per usual my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident Drama School Dropout. And this week I am joined by an absolutely sensational actor who you may know from his stint on Netflix's Orange is the New Black. Please welcome to the podcast, Michael Harney. Drama School Dropout No graduation day Welcome to the podcast. How are we? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Oh, no, genuinely, it's all my pleasure. I'm such a fan and I've been so excited for this all day. What, What I do like to start off the conversation with, though, and it's something that I ask everybody that comes on the podcast is how did you get into acting and what was your first ever role and it doesn't have to be a professional one we love a good nativity story well it was by accident i was doing some as my friend would say some social research in those days so i was uh, not sober too often <laughs> and uh I um, I went and uh, signed up for a school. I was going to be a social worker. I actually wound up in the wrong school because I, I was doing hands-on social work for a couple of years. Uh, I had worked in civil rights and I worked with the uh, Fortune Society. Anyway, a bunch of stuff. And then I, I got up to the school and it was all theory. So I, I was really uh, not happy with it so i took an acting class as an elective and uh, i wound up with a guy from the royal academy of dramatic art who became my mentor for two years and uh he gave me a cyrano de bergerac as my first scene and um you know so hold on this is a weird thing so i wound up doing uh cyrano and the first time i hit the boards i i um i kind of flew and uh it took me about uh, 25 years to figure out what the hell I did that first day. That's how it happened. It was an accident. I did seven shows back to back and rep after that. It's amazing like how things like that just tend to be. It was an accident. And then you go on to have this absolutely stellar career. And and you're talking about... <laughs> I wouldn't call it stellar. but <laughs> I mean, there are people out there that would kill for your career, including me. So... Oh no no I'm I'm grateful but I I, uh, I I just consider myself a journey. You just mentioned very briefly there that you then moved to New York and I am really sorry to these two guys if I am about to butcher your names um but you were studying under William Esper and Paul uh, Phil Gushy I can't even read my own writing um That's I hope correct. I didn't butcher their names. But something that I always love, was that just like a one-on-one situation or were you in a classroom with them? Oh, no, I was in uh, in class. And uh, by that time, when I met Bill, I, I wasn't drinking any longer or doing uh, drugs. You know, I, I took this class and uh, I realized after doing a bunch of shows in New York uh, that this is what I had signed up for. This is what I really wanted because uh, in the exercise work after two two and a half months, uh, things were really happening. Uh, people yeah. were telling the truth. Uh, there was no acting. And um, so I was really uh, 
really inspired. I used to take two classes with Bill a week, and then I would do an extra class with Maggie Flanagan, who was his assistant, who was a fine teacher. So I stayed there for a year. I also did heavy-duty course of therapy during that year, too, so I, I needed to take some time off after I did that first year. Then I wound up with Phil Gushy to do my second year. Uh, but I, I think Bill, both of those guys were master teachers. They were yeah, because they studied under Meisner and things. Correct. They sat with Sandy Meisner and taught with them, and then taught on their own at the neighborhood playhouse. So they they were responsible and for me to learn to to have a to have the bar up to the proper height that I always try to hit. Yeah, because normally actors like me, I've sort of learned bits of the method by Meisner, and it, but it's passed down through so many hands. You're kind of getting it from the source material. That must have been like quite groundbreaking in the at the time. Yeah, it was. Uh, it transformed my life. Uh, I called Sandy Meisner one day, and I spoke with uh, James Carville, who helped him in amazing ways. And you know, he knew who I was, and uh, he. He wished me the best, which, you know, he was very sick at that point. But that meant a lot to me. So yeah. I, I became a teacher of the work later on. I taught for about eight years, and then I got Hollywood and started work. Because I was reading as well during your time in New York, and I know that you were born there and grew up in New York as well, but you directed and or, and or acted in 80 plays. At what sort of time frame are we talking about 80 plays? Well, you got to figure from the time I got out of college... So that's uh, 80 to 94. So you're talking 14 years and you're doing 80. Pl- that's that's quite a feat. How, how did you well, manage that? You know, we, it was always, uh, first of all, when I studied, I didn't, I didn't do any plays. When I studied right. with Bill, I did no plays at all. Uh, Phil was looser. He was uh, much more flexible. Uh, but he had asked me to teach with him. And then I, I started teaching with him. Uh, and so part of the directing that I did was with my students at the end of the two year program, Yeah, you know, and then uh, we would do shorts, you know, we would do one act plays or long scenes for their end of two year process. But the rest of it was just, you know, I took jobs, I drove limousines for nine years so I could take time off when I needed to. I would just take time off and do a play. Yeah. I'd paint sets. I'd, you know, just do uh, do what I had to do. Yeah, it sounds like you were very all in in the theater world. Like you were full yeah, house. I didn't all realize in. it at the time. You know, yeah, I was. I, it didn't occur to me that that's what was occurring. I, I, I didn't. It, it just kind of happened that way, and uh, the hustle seemed natural to me. You know, mm. just because I, I played basketball uh, when I was a young guy, and. Um, I grew up with athletes, and one guy I knew, uh, John, who was a uh, he used to coach Golden Gloves boxing up in the Bronx. He was a tremendous influence on me, so I, I had it in me to just work uh, really, really hard. You know. Yeah, and I think that's what what maybe is lacking in today's culture. And I know, especially, it does with me. There's times where I've sort of went to myself because I only graduated last month. I'm like, why? Why am I not? Why am I not the marquee name yet? But I think there's just maybe a culture now of, especially living in the social media age, where it, it's not a lot. I imagine when you were coming up in the world, it, it took a lot to get your name on that poster. 
And I feel like now you only need a couple of thousand followers. So I just have to constantly <laughs> remind myself that it's like riding a horse and we've just got to keep jumping the fences and sticking at it. Right. It's practicing the craft, you know, it's, it's doing the work. And uh, if anything, sometimes I have frustration that I can't do more of the work, you know, mm. um, at times, but then there are other times when I can just sit and work and work and work, you know? So. Yeah. I, I do want to very briefly talk to you about the reason that I became aware of you and a reason that a lot of the listeners will have become aware of you. And that's Orange is the New Black. It's one of my favorite TV shows. I've had a lot of people on the podcast from Orange. And yeah, what was the audition process like for you? I didn't audition. Uh, G, uh, <laughs> I had I had done um, Weeds. Mm. Uh, played Detective Wallet on Weeds. And uh, after the last or during the last uh, show, I was outside. We were hanging out, having a smoke at the trucks. And my friend, Michael, who was an executive producer on the show, and I, I said, hey, you know, if uh, they have anything coming up, please keep me in mind. He said, well, you're, they really like you, and I know they have this thing in New York, so uh, I know that they'd be interested. Uh, and I didn't hear anything for a couple, three months, and then all of a sudden I got a call that they made an offer to me to play uh, Healy. So uh, that's how that happened. When, when you read those scripts, like the season one scripts, did you have any idea of how it was going to transform media? Because Orange was the first big hit for Netflix and it sort of changed the landscape of how we consume media now. Or even if we want to talk about it in the way that it was multi-women in the... I mean, what, what am I trying to say? It was led by a lot of women and it was heavily, it was different to what we'd seen before. Did you know it was going to be such a groundbreaking show? I didn't know. You never know. You know, I always just kind of show up and do my work. And um, I just figure every job that I do, um, it's really my responsibility to be in the moment and to experience now. Yeah, and uh, not experience tomorrow or yesterday, but to experience the life of the character. And um, I don't think about that stuff, you know. I, I that, that, yeah, whatever the results are, uh, that was Bill Esper, you know, that taught me that. Just I, I'm not concerned with the results, I'm concerned with doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I suppose that's the correct mindset to have. Um, Mr. Healy had some great lines on the show. One of my favorites being lesbian request denied. Do you have a favorite line from the show? No, they're all, <laughs> I just love the character because he, he, he was really uh, sincerely attempting to uh, live a good life despite yeah his character flaws which when i played him i didn't consider them flaws i considered them to be what i what i where i was coming from because i suppose he never he, thought of them as flaws well correct that's what i mean yeah, yeah. You can't. so for me uh, i mean i'm completely my, my personality is completely different yeah healings, right but i i'm still astounded today at how many people think that i'm the characters that i play you know yeah they, they 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 really think that that's who i am yeah i i uh, really love to be able to live through this guy's uh 
experiences, you know, true as truthfully as I could, and learning how to justify his points of view, mm. uh, so that I could just tell the truth, you know, when I when I was working. Yeah. Um, and uh, people say, well, how could you do that? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? You know, that's a beautiful part of our landscape, right? It's a beautiful part of the canvas to play these people, you know, play somebody that doesn't think or feel the way you do about things. It's a, that's a beautiful way to paint, you know. I suppose it's not acting if you're playing yourself and playing a character with your own opinions and your own character facets. So... I don't know. I, but, I've never really thought about it in that way. Well, it's your, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's not acting. It's uh, I, I, on a good day, I'm, I'm getting myself into a place where I'm really just believing what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's not, it's no, it's no more complex than that. It's just, I'm really believing what I'm saying, but, but what you're saying, I think is uh, that if I'm, just playing myself uh, we used to say it's a personality actor right yeah but uh, you know if you look at spencer tracy uh, you, you know he, he nobody imitated him you know because he he they say he was just himself but he wasn't just himself you know yeah he was, he was playing all these great roles and uh characters that he worked his ass off on uh, by himself you know before he got to the set um so i don't know i'm getting confused but the the thing is just tell the truth and show yeah tell the truth um I, I know mr healy wasn't really featured a lot towards the end of orange but I, like i say to all guests because i'm dying for it to come back if they found you tomorrow would you go back oh yeah sure that's always good to hear because i think my yeah. my least favorite part about the end of orange was the disappearances of the characters that we all loved and had um, grown to facilitate. And we'd spent a lot of time investing in them. And I, I always thought that maybe that was the one downfall of orange, but I'm not the showrunner. Well, when you get to a point where you, you know, every once in a while, and I've been very lucky uh, working with uh, great writers, you know, like David Milch, uh, who really, probably the biggest influence in my life and career in uh, Hollywood. But you, you, every once in a while, you get a chance to do a show like Deadwood. You get a yeah. chance to do a show like NYPD Blue, and you get a chance to play characters that are struggling with uh, real uh, profound uh, challenges. Uh, uh -huh. uh, and, and that are uh, where the, the story, the, the, uh, the heart of the, show or the episode is uh is something that really means something it's meaningful it's not just entertainment mm. uh, it has to do with the uh, trajectory of a soul mm. it has to do with the uh i've never heard that before the trajectory of a soul i quite like that yeah i mean I'm, what, what else are we doing really if we're doing if we're any good at it we're, we're yeah approaching that or trying to approach that place mm. anyway but with orange is it you know we were dealing with people that are on the margins of society we're dealing yeah with people that are uh, dealing with real life problems uh, uh through the utilization of backstory we were able to really 
see uh, the reasons why these characters were doing what they were doing mm. uh, and how their past affected their present uh, life. That so must have been quite like uh, a gift as an actor as well, because I know you weren't involved in the acting of a lot of Healy's backstory. So I guess you kind of got the gift of of watching this piece of media that influenced so many decisions that your character would then make. So I suppose it was quite nice in the sense that you had this backstory that you didn't have to create in any sense of the word. It wasn't you sitting there going, well, I've got to do this scene with this actress who's playing my mum. You're just getting to see what happened. Yes. And uh, and then you draw parallels you know, yeah. to your personal life uh, so that the, the meaning of of what you're living through is is uh, is true mm. no I, yeah. I i i do agree and I, it's made me it's making me think of it all in a different way now you've shifted my entire perspective on acting um <laughs> another well, that's, Sorry, that's, that's a big statement i don't know about that but no I, i'm definitely going to get off of here tonight and be like oh my god i've completely thought about all of this in all of the wrong way i need to change all of my ideas and i I'm probably going to be awake all night, so thank you. Um, but there a question is no that... right way; it's your way. You know, it's it's your way. It's not. Uh, it's getting uh, out of the way. There's definitely some wrong happen. ways. Well, yeah, if you're full of shit, I mean, that's not going to work. But uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, it's just it, it's your way. That's the thing. You yeah. know, trust yourself and, and tell the truth. But it takes so much time and effort to learn uh, to get out of the way to drop your crutches, to, to not lean on any devices or any type of false things that you may think uh, make the work look cool or look good or, or work better, uh, anything cerebral. But uh, as Meisner would say, you go from your head to your heart, right? Mm. And you just work from your heart. And on a good day, you know, uh, that's hopefully what I'm doing. So that's really insightful, actually. I, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna come off of this today and think about my entire life. Um, but a question that I like to ask everybody, it's a bit of a sillier question, we're not gonna get as deep. If you were booked in the West End or Broadway, preferably the West End, though, so I can come and see it, and the casting director comes and says to you, Listen, we've got enough money as much as we need, who do you want to be your co star? And it can be anyone in the world, but they have to be alive. Ethan Hawke, good answer. Never been said before either on the podcast. Yeah, no, I get well, that. Why is it a good answer? Because I, I, I like him as an actor. That's just my yeah. personal opinion. I mean, he's I'm a true. Not, uh, I'm he, not grading a, it on any scale. Yeah, he really tells the truth. And, mm. uh, anyway, I have to carry on my campaign of um, saying Catherine Tate because she's one of my heroes and I love her. Um, but yeah, we're going to play a game now and it's called Stage Right or Stage Shite. And it's three stories. Two of them are the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And one is a big fat lie that's been made up by our producer, Heather. And I've got that answer in a sealed envelope here so I can play along with you because these are my favorite things in the world. So it is our job to guess which one is the lie. Number one, which is very apt considering that our prime minister resigned today. Thank God. Bye, Boris. Um. My day at drama school one year was disrupted by Margaret Thatcher resigning as Prime Minister. We stopped lessons and immediately started a party. Number two, 
I was once doing the rounds in writing to famous actors and trying to get them to fund me going to drama school. One very famous actor replied and included a single penny with his letter. I decided to keep it as my lucky penny, and it's been with me in every audition bar one, which I happened to book, which was my West End debut. Number three, I was doing Romeo and Juliet for my final drama school production. Halfway through opening night, I randomly lost the accent. I panicked and took a moment to regain myself, and when I carried on, I started speaking in a Jamaican accent and was too scared to change back. So I was Juliet's <laughs> Jamaican nurse for the rest of the show. <laughs> I don't know which one of those is the lie. Um, I feel like the Margaret Thatcher one is true. I, I, I thought the Margaret Thatcher one was the lie. We don't have to agree. I just feel like knowing yeah. Britain and its state... Yeah and nobody really likes Margaret Thatcher. I thought it might be true. I, I think that maybe maybe the penny one would be a lie because that's what I thought. Yeah, I'm going to go for number two. What about you? Number one. You're going for number one. I love it. I love this game. It's so fun. And to anybody out there that has a story, please email us at dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com. Number two. It's number two. Yeah. Number two. It's always fun. Um what's what's coming up for you now what are you up to what are you doing where can everybody find you i just did a series called Brightside, and uh that should be coming out on apple pretty soon i'm recurring in that mm. and i just had a film open in tribeca uh called 88 i think it's still available on the tribeca website but it's a it's a really good film uh, links are all down in the show notes below yeah uh, everybody go check that out and i'm writing you know uh writing quite a bit now my dear friend and mentor david milch uh, you know really my through my friendship with him and him mentoring me i was able to start to really get into writing uh, so mm. I'm, I'm doing a lot of writing We have a closing tradition on this podcast in which I ask a guest, the previous guest that I recorded with, to ask a question to the next guest. They don't know who they're asking, neither will you, but their question to you is, what advice would you give to the version of yourself that is waiting to go into their first audition? No one can bring what you're going to bring, and there's no competition with anybody else. You're in competition with yourself, and this is about the joy of work. This is yes. about you getting a, an opportunity to to paint, you know, to to go in and really do some some work. So just enjoy it. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a fun time chatting with you. We come to the end now. Where can everyone follow you on social media? Uh, I think it's uh, Michael Harney Seven. It's Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. Genuinely, this has been such a joy and a privilege to get to chat with you. And what I like to say to everybody: if you ever find yourself in Glasgow, the first round is on me. Oh, thank you. And it's been a joy and a privilege for me. And I want to thank you. Thank uh, you so for, much. Uh, giving me the opportunity to share. Okay. Honestly, I, I'm genuinely like, this is going to be the highlight of my week. So no need hey, to thank me. Too. Me. Me, too. But me too. Have God a lovely you. rest of your day and I shall speak to you soon.
And there we have it, another episode of Drama School Dropout, episode 91 completed. Thank you so much to Michael for coming on the podcast, and make sure to follow us both on social media, which you'll find down in the show notes below. As per usual, I'm Ingram Noble, and I'm your resident Drama School Dropout. And remember, please, if you're feeling extra generous, go down and leave a rating and a review on the podcast. It helps us out so much, you don't even know, and it's bloody free, so why not? And don't forget, if you have a story for Stage Right or Stage Shite, please email us at dramaschooldropout pod at gmail.com and please remember that you can now become an official drama school dropout by signing up to our patreon using the link in the show notes below i'll be back again next week with a brand spanking new episode so make sure to come back next tuesday have a great week stay safe i love you drama school dropout no graduation day for you drama school dropout Fuck your whole course, now try something new, trying to scoot home.